It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to our latest podcast. It's, as you know, it always is an absolute pleasure to have so many of you out there listening. I'm Chloe Thomas, the creator of the e-commerce master plan. I'm an author, speaker and consultant, and I focus on e-commerce business strategy and marketing. So hopefully that's what you're here for. Now, last time we dived into the world of luxury fashion retailing with Shireen from Full Disclosure. You can join in the chat about that episode and all other things e-commerce in our e-commerce master plan world Facebook group. And you'll find that either go and search for it on Facebook or at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook. Today, we've got a guest who's interesting to us in three different ways. So Connor Gillivan has built a seven-figure business trading drop-shipped items on Amazon. Connor has also founded a business called FreeUp, which I think you're going to find really interesting. Now, FreeUp, you can use to outsource those technical yet time-consuming e-commerce tasks. Think loading products onto eBay or... uh, various other things of that ilk. And you can outsource that to their band of 400 and growing vetted freelancers. So kind of think Upwork, but specifically free commerce and with every single freelancer having gone through uh, an onboarding process. And number three, Connor has just published a brand new book um, only last month, it's really hot off the press, uh, that's called Free Up Your Business, 50 Secrets to Bootstrap Million Dollar Companies. It's packed with great tips and advice from Connor's years of experience. We're going to be diving into that a little later on. Um, so given all that he's done, when I met Connor, I just knew we had to get him on the show for a chat. And we are going to cover details of all three of those areas today. So um, get ready for some fantastic information coming up. And I think it's time that I said hello, Connor. Hey Chloe, how's it going? Thanks for having me on the show. It's good, and thank you so much for for coming on. I know the listeners are going to love this one. So, I've, as you just heard, I've given the listeners like the the most ridiculously quick overview of all your experience. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's time we start filling in some of the blanks. So, first off, what got you into e commerce in the first place? Absolutely. So, um, it was actually kind of random, and while I was still studying in college, that I I fell into e commerce. Um, I met my current business partner, Nathan Hirsch, um, while we were in a business law class, and he was telling me that he was starting to sell books, sell textbooks on the Amazon marketplace. Um, He was purchasing them back from students who weren't happy with the prices they were getting from the school bookstore. He was putting them in his dorm room, listing them on Amazon, selling them, shipping them to the customer, and, you know, taking care of the whole e-commerce operation. Nice. Um, and he asked me if I wanted to get involved. So I, you know, as a, as a sophomore in college, I was loving the, the courses that I was taking, but I, I've always been looking for more entrepreneurial endeavors. And so I decided to dive right into it with him. Um, and for the, the next two years before we graduated and then the following three years, um, we really just hunkered down and, and spent our entire time learning about Amazon. Um, it was about a time when they were expanding into other product categories in the U.S., um, very popular for toys and baby products, um, really trying to capture the mom and dad market that was starting to become more familiar with buying products online. And we just expanded into those product categories as Amazon opened them up on their marketplaces. Um, we built over a 1,000 dropship relationships with manufacturers oh. around the United States, 
Um, and we were eventually selling around 500,000 products through our Amazon store. Gosh, so, um, so was every <laughs> single one of those 500,000 products dropship? That is correct, right. So we would create these relationships with manufacturers um, who were making their own products but didn't necessarily have someone on their team that was had an expertise to sell on Amazon. And so we, we kind of brought that to their team. We said, listen, you give us access to your inventory, to your product data. We'll go ahead and get it all up on Amazon. We'll use our repricing software to make sure it's competitive as possible. And we'll relay orders to you um, as we receive them from customers. Nice. And, um, and did you kind of hunt people out specifically because of product categories you wanted to get into? Or was it more of a, we do this service, come and speak to us? Yeah, great question. So it was pretty strategic. Um, like I said, we, we were following Amazon into the categories where there weren't too many sellers yet. And so we were looking at our competition, looking at other um, online sellers and also online retailers who were utilizing the dropship business model. And we were going after the manufacturers that they were working with because we knew that those manufacturers had the capabilities and the operational um, strategies to, to be able to dropship. So we, we went after, you know, we went after toys, we went after baby products, and then we went into um, home goods and explored with some other categories, uh, but eventually found that those three were where we could find the most potential. So there was a lot of kind of testing and measuring in the products at the beginning, I guess. Definitely. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of trial and error, um, a lot of figuring out what, what type of characteristics of the suppliers we needed to be able to work with them. Um, because some, you know, they may not have had the best operations and it could lead to a lot of um, out-of-stock products or issues with the customers or um, products arriving damaged. So there was a lot of tests and trials to try to find out who are the best to work with, what, are, what products are selling the best, and how can we keep finding those types of people. So if you had, and I know sometimes this isn't possible with the Amazon algorithm but if you had a best-selling product you could only get from one wholesaler but that wholesaler was an absolute nightmare when it came to customer service would you have kicked them out of your scheme hmm. uh, <laughs> that's a good question we we definitely ran into a few of those scenarios um, and it was what happened is it, when it was a bestseller we, we definitely wanted to try to keep them on because it was you know it was working so well with our customers um, and, and what we ended up doing was just having a lot of conversations with the reps at those um, wholesalers or manufacturers and trying to build a better relationship and, and make it to a point where if they weren't going to be able to, you know, handle the customer service end as well as we wanted, we could go ahead and take that over and make sure that it was being handled properly. Now, I'm guessing that, uh, well, the kind of the reason I asked that question was because the often it's the human part that takes the time and actually doing mm. you know getting the setup right both sure. on the back end and the front end is a bit that takes the time and getting once things are actually running and yeah there's the optimization and all that kind of stuff but actually the bulk of the workload is in, get, in getting someone products up there and products working is kind of quite um systemizable I guess so if you had you know 500,000 products from all kinds of different wholesalers mm-hmm. You must have had to do a fair amount of streamlining and systemization just to make sure you weren't dropping any plates. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, so that was something we had to learn a lot about, right? Um, We had to kind of come up with a process. So uh, the the way it kind of works, right, is let's say you go to a manufacturer, they're going to have their own 
pretty much file or way of organizing their product data. So this is your, you know, your product title, your descriptions, your photos, your, um, your inventory, you know, everything about each product, all your SKUs. Um, and they would go ahead and send those over to us. And so we had to have a team um, that was solely dedicated to taking the product information that they sent to us and transferring it into our own template. Um, so we, we eventually had a, a software developer who helped us build out our own database where we would take their information, map it to our, um, our pretty much like files, our file template. And then once that was into our software, it could easily be pushed up to Amazon and listed and, and changes could be made very quickly. But that, that middle stage where you're transferring the, the information to our own template, that's a, like you said, that's a huge that's yeah. a huge step that does require a lot of human elements. So is it a case of kind of getting those, once the volume was there and the money was there to do it and the time was there to do it, getting as much automated as you could, but of course there would always have to be that human interaction. Definitely. Yeah. So there was, there were certain, um, you know, elements of the, of the product data that we would get that could be mapped pretty easily and sometimes automatically but there were others that, you know, it just didn't work out. So there was always a team in place there that was going through those files, making sure everything was correct and, and then uploading it to Amazon because Amazon takes all of their product data extremely seriously as well. So you don't want to be putting up information to their listings where it may not match and that could then create issues for you on the back end. Like GTIN numbers and such things. Exactly, exactly. The pain, the pain in the side of the Amazon seller. So um, yeah. two other quick questions about Amazon and then we'll, we'll kind of dive into the, the setting up of FreeUp. But mm -hmm. um, did it ever occur to you or did it ever become part of the business plan to sell on a marketplace other than Amazon or was it always, always, always Amazon? Yeah, great question. So that was definitely something that came up in conversation and even something that we tested out um, as we were as we were getting pretty good at selling on Amazon, so we did spend um, a couple quarters worth of time trying to experiment and try to replicate the process selling on eBay as well, um, and and we did find some success there. And and what it turned into was more of just selling our best sellers there um, mm -hmm. that worked best with that market of customer. Um, and then we did also go into a, a short period where we were um, looking to build out our own online store oh. um, and selling our products. But um, it, it eventually, after testing and trialing, we eventually came back to, um, we, were, we were kind of taking our core competency away from what we were doing by trying to mm -hmm. do that. Um, so we decided to kind of move back and, and stay focused on, on Amazon and, and, and eBay. Okay, cool. And um Kind of the big question, which anyone listening who runs Amazon accounts will, I get, I would assume, be shouting at their podcast player at the moment, would be: Did you run all these different merchants, all these different wholesalers, through one Amazon account, or did you have separate ones, separate Amazon shops, as such? Great question. So we we did. We ran it all through our own. Um, the name wow. of the company was Portlight, and we had our own Amazon account where all of these products were stored and sold. Um, and, and like you said, there, the manufacturers and wholesalers, they too may have had their own Amazon storefront where they listed their products. But, um, for, a, for a good chunk of them who we were selling really well, they really depended on us to, to kind of get the products out there, reprice them and make sure that everything was updated for the customers. Because the reason I asked that question was because I imagine a lot of people would be thinking, well, you're, you're putting the most dangerous part of the Amazon game 
the customer service in someone else's hands in large mm. part. So I know a lot of people would think, well, let's lose the risk by having separate accounts for each wholesaler. So if one of them just, mm-hmm. you know, is just like a total numpty and <laughs> destroys our ratings, we're not suddenly going to get turned off across the mm-hmm. whole of Amazon. So what was your rationale for not doing that, but for having it all in the one account? Yeah, good question. So um, the customer service had been a focus of ours ever since we started, uh, just from learning about what Bezos had done with Amazon and how he had built the marketplace. Um, they really set it up for sellers so that you you have to be great at customer service or you will get kicked off of the platform. Um, so when we were approaching different manufacturers and wholesalers, um, a big, a big um, I guess a big value prop that we had over other sellers was um, we had a, a good amount of a lot of ratings, right, from our customers. So we had over 10,000 um, pieces of feedback. And I think our, our overall rating was 97 percent, you know, positive. So oh. that was something that we could bring to the wholesalers and say, listen, you know, you may have your own Amazon account, but it looks like you only have 200 ratings right now. And your rating is 91 percent. Um, if, if you're to work with us, you know, we, we take customer service very seriously. We have a whole team that's committed to it. Um, and we have a track record of us doing it at a high level. So that was that was a little bit of a selling point that we could use. Aha, got you. It makes sense now. Okay, mm-hmm. you talked then about the whole team you had doing the customer service. And you talked earlier about the team you had dealing with the product information. I'm mm-hmm. going to take a rough punt that you're experiencing a experiencing the experience even of uh, of training people and managing people might have been a trigger to creating free up yeah that's uh 100% correct so a lot of the um people that we brought onto our team at portlight were hired through online hiring platforms like upwork um and what used to be odesk and elance before they merged into upwork um so we we ended up having around 30 freelancers on our team who are helping us, you know, work through these different operations like you were mentioning. Okay. And that was, so, so how, what then led to you stopping the Amazon piece, the port mm-hmm. light and launching free app? What was the, the flip? There? Yeah, sure. So we, um, we were, my, me, myself and, uh, you know, our, our, my business owners were interested in looking for a different solution to being able to hire freelancers online. Um, with Portlight, we we had a lot of bad experiences, right? So we we were new to it. We went in thinking, "Ooh, we can get people for lower rates. Um, let's hire these people quickly. Let's see what they can do." Um, we had a lot of bad experiences where we weren't vetting the workers properly. You know, we'd go through the posting a job, recruiting, interviewing, hiring, and then maybe two weeks later, we would either find out they weren't the best fit or they would just disappear. Mm. So we had become pretty frustrated with the process. But over the couple of years that we were doing this hiring, we also came up with our own sort of equation or formula for um, properly vetting these people and integrating them and then managing them to make sure that they were a good fit for the company. And so once we had kind of created that formula, we thought, you know, are there other e-commerce companies out there and sellers that are going through these same troubles? Um, And could we could we help them create a better solution? And so that's that's really about the time that we we decided to start talking about and working with FreeUp, um, and, it, and it's just kind of snowballed from there, right? We wanted to create a better solution where people didn't have to spend their time um, recruiting, interviewing, and vetting themselves. They could simply come to a site where um, people with e-commerce backgrounds and skills 
were already pre-vetted and just ready to start working. Cool. Well, look, I'm going to go on to the book in a second. But before I do, could you just quickly run through the types of skills and tasks that are available to be outsourced to free up? Because I I know, I personally, I know several of our listeners will be really keen to give your services a go. And I highly recommend you do, guys. I've had a go myself and it's it's a really good service. Um, but if you just let, let them know what sort of things are in the free up arena. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So we... Um, we've been building it over the past year. So we have about 45 skill sets that we offer now. Wow. Um, and okay, they don't, don't list all of all 45. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. So, so it's broken up into four main areas. So it, it's your kind of your, um, it can be your main business operation. So this is someone that's doing more data entry or a virtual assistant. Um, you have your e-commerce specific. So we have eBay, Amazon, different marketplaces. Um, and then also anything that comes with like customer service or order fulfillment. And then uh, uh, the, the last two sections are digital marketing and web development. So we have people that can run your social media. We have people that can do graphic design, create videos for you. Um, then also people who are experts at building Shopify stores, experts at building WooCommerce stores, um, and even doing some, some software development if needed. Um, so those are, those are just a number of the different skill sets that we offer through the platform. Um, and prices vary between $5 and $50 per hour. Um, and, and when you come and you sign up and, and you fill out what we call our worker request form, you get to specify everything that you want about your worker. Um, and then we take that and find the best match for you. Well, guys, definitely go and give that a try. And you can find links to free up uh, on the show notes page. So just head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. But it's time we go on to the third thing, uh, Connor. And it's time we talk mm-hmm. about your book, which is called Free Up Your Business, 50 Secrets to Bootstrap Million Dollar Companies. So what's, what led you to write the book? Because, you know, you've you've done... The, uh, the the growth of the Amazon store you've set up free up to help with with many bits and pieces so what what was kind of like the catalyst to writing the book yeah of course um, so just kind of a little bit of background of myself uh, I've always been a writer and I've always been very passionate about um, sharing my knowledge with others and the hopes that it you know helps them build their businesses or, or live a more meaningful life um, and so I've been I've been writing for the past 10 years or so. Um, and just about two years ago, I started publishing my work on my own website, um, connorgillivan.com. And so once I started doing that, my business owner, Nathan Hirsch, and I started talking about the idea of bringing together all of the lessons we've learned from building these businesses and trying to offer it as an additional resource to um, not only our customers through FreeUp, but you know other people who are trying to learn more about bootstrapping businesses um, and, and really taking them to the next level. Okay. So um, the the book has six kind of key chapters, um, which mm-hmm. are get the financials down, strategic planning and adjusting on the fly, build a reliable, trusting and intelligent team. Oh, so important. Um, <laughs> lead and organize like a real boss, make every minute productive um, and always put the customer first. Now, I love the titles and the tips that come within them and completely mm. agree with the fact you kind of lifted out those three those three areas, those six areas to focus on. But which for you is the first one you need to get right? Because nobody gets these all these right on day one or month one and quite often not in year one. So which is the one you think people should really knuckle down and, and nail straight away? Definitely. Um, yeah, so for me, the, the first one is the get the financials down. So 
I think when you're when you're bootstrapping a business, right? So you're you're using your own money to get it started, or you're just starting it right from the ground up. One of the most important things is understanding how you're going to start making money, right? So the product or service that you're offering and how you're going to be pricing that and you know who you're putting it out to. But then also as money starts to come in, how are you managing that so that um, you're always building a cash, of re- a, re- a cash reserve so that you have a backup, but then you're also taking the money that you're earning and intelligently reinvesting it into the growth of the business. Um, because that's your your business is always going to need that, right? You need to keep giving it those extra dollars, that extra that extra push to to bring it to a point where you could then say, "Ooh, you know, we're we're ready to hire our first worker so that uh, I can continue to focus on the growth of the business." So I, I think that first thing is really understanding the financials of your business model, um, seeing where money can be coming from, figuring out exactly how you want to reinvest it into the business, and then moving forward from there. Okay, and which one is then the one which you find most people fail at, or find, or, you know, or really, really struggle with? Mm. I think so. For that one, I think it's the the building the team, um, and I think just as an entrepreneur, um, from my own experience and, and meeting other people, I think as entrepreneurs, we we tend to try to think we can do everything. Um, that's a that's a pretty common um, characteristic mm-hmm. of entrepreneurs and and wanting to really you know change things and, and do it all by yourself. So I think building the team is one of the most difficult first steps for most entrepreneurs because you're kind of coming to the reality that um, you're not going to be in control of everything and that you need to find other intelligent and um, and ambitious people that want to work towards the future that you're looking to create as well. Um, so I think that's a, a difficult first step for people. And then also just keeping it as a consistent factor in building the business, right? So if you hire one person, you, you can't be satisfied there because within two weeks, you're going to have more and more work on your plate that you should be handing off to someone else. So it's this, this, it's this mindset that you need to have of, okay, at all times, I need to be trying to take things off my plate so I can continue to grow the business. Um, and I need to find the best people who can do that for me. Oh, so, so true. And, um, okay. So there's 50 whole secrets in the book, <laughs> which is your, your top secret, the one you're most pleased with having got into the book, the one you think people need to, you know, really, really grasp, which one's your favorite? It's mm, a good question. Um, I think one of, one of my favorites is, um, it's, it's in the second chapter, I believe. And it's, it's all about taking a trial and error approach when building your business. Um, so this has been something that we've, we've focused on and, and been using since we started Portlight back in our dorm rooms. Um, and, and the whole idea is you want to create hypotheses about something that could happen. Um, you want to test that. You want to gain feedback from your customer, iterate off of what you had initially tested, and just repeat that process over and over as you're building the different aspects of your company. Um, it's, it's been something that we've, we've done, and, and it's just kind of following, going down different rabbit holes and seeing what works. Because when you first start a business, you'll usually have an idea of where you want to be. Um, and some people will try to create an exact plan of how you're going to get there. But in reality, as you're going through the months, as you're going through the weeks, there's always different things that are going to pop up, and there's always different routes that you could go to get to that end goal. 
And so a, a big piece that I like to tell people is to always be looking for opportunities to do trial and error and figure out what is working best. So could you give an example of the sort of hypotheses you're, you're meaning there? Just, just mm-hmm. so it's really clear in people's minds. Yeah, of course. So uh, a great example is from starting free up. So when, when we started free up, we had this idea that we wanted to have uh, an online hiring platform for e-commerce business owners. Um, but, you know, to get there, it was, it was going to take some time. And so when we first started the business, uh, it, w- it was more of just kind of a consultancy, right? So we had this experience in, in building e-commerce businesses. And so we were offering um, four key things. We had an Amazon class that we were offering. Mm-hmm. We had just um, consulting services that we were off- offering to both Amazon, eBay, and e-commerce business owners. Um, we had some special services um, for Amazon that, that could help people. And then we were also offering the the, um, the pre-vetted workers that you could hire. So those were kind of our four trials, right? Our, our hypothesis. Okay, if we start to offer this to our target business owner, who is the e-commerce business owner, um, you know, one of these is going to stick. And and if one takes off, we can then kind of run with it. Um, and and so we kind of we put these four different products out there, and we saw what people reacted to, what they enjoyed the most. Um, and, and that kind of led us to eventually seeing that even if we brought someone in through an Amazon class or, uh, you know, a consulting gig, they eventually were interested in hiring the remote workers because they learned about our experience. They learned about how we had done it with our business. Um, so just using those, those four trials, we really got down to eventually what our, our core value prop was. Wow. And that, that really is the the core thing in any business, isn't it? You, you set those hypotheses, you test them and you follow the one which works and you go, mm-hmm. go right after that and, and really focus in and niche in on those areas. Cool. Definitely. Thank you, Connor. We're going to go into the top tips round very, very shortly, but before we do, do you just want to let, know, let people know where they can get hold of your book? Yes, of course. So um, you can grab the book at amazon.com and you can also find it at freeup.com. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure that the links to both will be in the show notes. They certainly will be. And it's available in all formats, isn't it? This is ebook, audiobook, paperback, however you want it, you can get it. That is correct, yes. Cool. Excellent. Right. Well then everybody, let's let's dive into the top tips. Now you all know that I love this section because it gives me and all of you some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So, Connor, here we go. The cool. book top tip, first of all, if everybody listening to this podcast agreed to, fr- to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? And you're not allowed to recommend your own. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the book I would re- recommend is called Built to Sell. Um, it's, a, it's a quick read and it's all about um, a story of a business owner um, who's running a, um, I think it's a graphic design agency, and he's working with this mentor that he has and this mentor teaches him how to make the business less reliable on him and more reliable on the systems and processes that kind of make the business what it is. Um, I read it in two days. So when I saw that you said, you know, take off Friday and read it, it it's a perfect book for, for that type of opportunity. Excellent. And it's it's a great book as well. And uh, anyone who who wants to find out a bit more about that, we had John Warlow on the show back in episode 99 and he's the author. So you can hear him talking about that and his other book, The Automatic Customer, which I think remains the most recommended, 
or certainly mm. one of the top two most recommended books on the podcast. That's back in episode 99. Uh, I'll make sure there's a link to that in the show notes as well. Okay, the traffic top tip then. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Definitely. Um, so for me, it's the referral program or the affiliate program. Um, we've seen um, amazing results from having a referral program that really um, rewards the people who get involved in it and share it out to their communities. Um, with FreeUp, we're paying out over $3,000 in, in referral fees now per week um, because oh. we have such a, a great network of people that are referring and getting involved. So I think that's a huge one that um, some people overlook at first. Isn't, I, I like the fact it's um, increasingly I seem to be coming across people on, uh, you know, on the podcast and generally in life who have found, you know, they've, they've done that hypothesis testing idea you were talking about earlier, Connor, and they've mm-hmm. identified through that process the marketing method which consistently delivers for them. Whether it consistently mm-hmm. delivers 20% of the business or 50% of the business or 90% of the business, they've found the one that is that consistent deliverer for them because they've gone through that hypothesis testing process. So I think that's a that's a, a great tip and combines nicely with earlier tips. Okay, uh, the tool top mm-hmm. tip before I get too um, uh, philosophical is um, maybe this is a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Absolutely, um, I've got two. So the one is is very common. It's Skype. Um, we use Skype for everything. Um, I mean, we're using Skype right now. I use Skype to talk to our 400 plus um, workers. It's, it's a great tool that, that we use that can be on mobile as well. Um, the, the second one is, is one called Wise Stamp. Um, it is a app that incorporates directly into your email provider and gives you a very professional um, email signature. So you can toss your picture in there, um, links to your, your books or your articles or your website, whatever it may be. Um, and it's a great way to just keep yourself professional and, and easily communicate your message to people you're emailing with. Oh, cool. Excellent. Uh, then the startup top tip. If you met someone this weekend who's thinking of starting an e-commerce business, what would be your first tip for them? Definitely. Um, first tip, find the right niche. So e-commerce is is blowing up all over the world. And that means there's tons of competition in tons of different product categories. So my number one tip is find that one niche where you, you have a good amount of knowledge, you're very passionate about it, um, and, and there's a niche market that's looking for that type of product. Uh, I think it's really hard to, to try to start an e-commerce business that is you know, selling everything under the sun these days. You really have to find that one place where you can focus in and, and find the best customers. Excellent advice. Well, Masterplan World, you can find those top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you'll see a link to this show. Now, Connor, before we say goodbye, would you like to remind the listeners where they can find your book and your business on the web and social media, please? Of course. So you can find Free Up Your Business, 50 Secrets to Bootstrapping Million Dollar Companies, both on Amazon and freeup.com. Um, you can hire reliable free freelancers from freeup.com. And for anyone that's listening, I'd like to offer a $1 per hour off your first worker that's hired. Um, and you can also check out my own content at connorgillivan.com. Feel free to also find me on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My handle is just my name, Connor Gillivan. Cool. And how do people get that discount, Connor? 
as they sign up, um, mm-hmm. just just have them go ahead and add it into, um, there's like a little referral section where they can note it. Um, and also they'll be speaking with someone right when they sign up so they can let them know as well and we'll get it applied. Okay, cool. If they just use the word master plan, would that do it? Perfect. Let's do that. Excellent. Well, there you go, guys. There's a great offer and even more reason to go and give free up a try. Okay, I'll add links to all of that and everything else we've been talking about in today in the show notes. Now, Masterplan World, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or just head over to the website, click on the podcast tab or use that search box. Connor, thank you so much for being on the show today and for being so generous, sharing your experience in so many different areas with us and the offer as well. It's been great. Thank you. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I hope everyone enjoys um, the conversation that we had today. And, you know, I'm happy to answer any questions that people have as a follow-up. Awesome. Thank you. Wow. So much there from, from Connor. We've got all that great advice around that really interesting Amazon business model that he built up where he was going out to all those wholesalers, but yet still doing what we all do in e-commerce in terms of finding the right products delivering the right customer service, even though he was doing it on that marketplace platform rather than necessarily on his own website. Um, and then we had his his uh, his great service from FreeUp, where you can outsource those, those tasks and get reliable freelancers working on your activity. And of course, um, the book as well, which you can all go and grab a copy of uh, if you want to. So, uh, let us know what you think about this episode and everything else by joining in the conversation in our Facebook group, which is called the E-Commerce Master Plan World Facebook group. So you can either Google for Google for that on Facebook, search for that on Facebook, or if you go, go type in the URL ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook, you'll find it. Now, as one of our subscribers, if you're enjoying the E-Commerce Master Plan podcast, please do share it with your e-commerce friends, Twitter, Facebook, over a coffee or a pint. I don't mind. Uh, and make sure you come back next week for my interview with the marvellous Christine Nicholson of Divine Legs. Those of you who hang out in the Facebook group will already know Christine uh, and her story is a great one. So make sure you come back next week. In the meantime, have a great week and don't forget to always keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.